following sermon is from Faith Bible Church, located in Murrieta, California. More information about Faith Bible Church is available at www.faith-bible.net. Woo! All right, we, we just found out who's been to Uganda and who hasn't. Well, what a joy it is to be here. My name is Shannon Hurley, and uh, I'm your missionary to Uganda. And uh, I was singing with John Paul 14 years. This church has supported us, and, uh, and I want to thank you for that. Can we clap for that? There are as well individuals in this church that have been supporting us that many years, and so we feel so blessed to be part of this church. And they even said, you just come up, don't worry about an introduction because you're part of the family. And we feel that. We absolutely love Faith Bible Church and what God is doing here. And uh, we praise the Lord for all that, all his work. It's fun because we've seen many of you guys in high school camps back at Lake San Antonio. Come on, anyone from there? Come on, the good old days, the glory days, right? Uh, but back then I used to speak at the camp. It's funny, I've not spoken at a camp since then. <laughs> but uh, we'll call them to repent. No, uh, what a joy though it is to be someone who gets to come up here, be given the pulpit. We know that that's an honor. And so we praise God for that. Uh, we have been serving the Lord in Uganda for 16 years. And uh, we have so much going on over there. Uh, we have two missions. One is to reach our community for Christ. A second is to strengthen churches throughout Uganda. And in God's kindness and his care, I mean, we went over there not knowing really anyone in a time when things were not very safe at all, and God has sustained us all of these years. God is good, amen? Uh, today, uh, this week, we're dropping off two of our kids. One of them uh, was three years old when we went to Uganda. We're dropping them off at university. And so uh, it's crazy to see how God cares for us, isn't it? And all of these years through the valleys and through the, the, the mountaintop experiences we have, God's loving care remains so faithful. And we praise the Lord for his kindness to us. But in these 16 years, we have seen God just do incredible things. And, and uh, today we have a... a, a church just like this. We have a church that has between around 500 people coming to worship every Sunday from a village community. And so God is good, amen? Uh, we have a primary school that has 560 kids, all from our community that we're able to disciple to know and love Christ. And uh, God is just richly blessing in his kindness. We have a pastoral training center that is 70 men that are just now finishing the foundation stage of, uh, of our training center for pastors. We're getting ready to launch phase two and phase three, which involve bringing their families. And so God has been so good, so kind, so unbelievable. And uh, in many ways, I, I want to come this morning, I, I just want to share my heart with you as to what pastor, I'm trying to think, what passage would I want to give Faith Bible Church out of my love and care and concern for them? And it's the passage that we're looking at at hand. Before I go there, you've gotten my prayer card. This is so that you what? 
<laughs> okay, this is so that you what? This is so that you pray. So we ask that you would pray for us. We would ask that you would really just dedicate your heart to, in your quiet time when you spend time with the Lord. I don't know, some of you, if you love eating, put it on a refrigerator. Uh, if, you, if you love brushing your teeth, put it near your, uh, your sink. I don't know, but we ask that you pray. Pray that we would love Christ with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind. Pray that God would give us wisdom. Pray that God would continue to just allow his name to be spread throughout Uganda. Can you pray that way? We would ask that that would be the case. For those of you that say, Shana, we want to get involved in SOS one way or another, I would ask, on here is our website. First of all, I would ask everyone here. Our website is here. If you go to our website, sosministries.com, you can go to the bottom and you can get our newsletter. And just get our newsletter so we can encourage you in Christ and we can just, just pump you up to live for the king today here in, in Marietta. And uh, second thing, if you want to get involved one way or another, we have about 100 kids that need to be sponsored for our primary school. So just like Compassion But Better, because all of your money goes there, uh, you can sponsor a kid through our website, and the missions table will have information about that and, uh, and the like. But please consider jumping. I'd love for 30 of those kids to be taken off my mind because you guys decided to step up and support those kids. Can we do that? 30 kids? What do you think? Faith Bible, you think? Good. I would love to see that. And, and then you come on a missions trip. John Plesnick is leading, right? right? John Plesnick? Uh, someone is going to lead that next missions trip. And uh, we would love for it to be any of your pastors because we love them all. I think Chris should lead the next one. It's been a long time. How many think Chris should lead the next one? Don't let him tell you he's old now. Don't let him go there. Uh, but uh, anyhow, we, we give that to you uh, to ask that you do that. Ask that you help us in that way. I want to pray. And then I want to jump in and, and have a little family time around God's word. Can we do that? Let's pray together. Father... You are glorious. You are reigning above all the heavens on a throne, ruling in all your majesty, all your glory, all your goodness flowing from that throne. With all the power, you reign over all of the events of this world. And we stand in awe of you. And Father, we are here as Christians with bended knees saying that we are servants of your majesty. But we live in a world that's filled with rebelliousness toward you. Evilness dominates the society in which we live and we want to live with reckless abandon for your purposes, but it's not easy because we fail to remember your gospel call that you desire everything because you love us fully. And you stand above this universe calling all to come to you for our good. And we would ask that in your goodness and grace that you would open our minds and our hearts to the truth of your word this morning and we'd see the sweetness of your son's message the people of Israel. 
We love you. We look to you. Guide us and aid us this morning, we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to start our time by reading a hymn from Isaac Watts, the grandfather of hymnology. I want, to, I want you to listen to these words that were posted in 1721, and I want you to see how different they are in mentality from our modern perspective. Are we ready? Am I a soldier of the cross, a follower of the Lamb, and shall I fear to own his cause or blush to speak his name? Must I be carried to the, to the skies of flowery beds of ease while others fight to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas? Are there no foes for me to face? Sure, I must fight if I would reign. Increase my courage, Lord. I will bear the toil, endure the pain supported by thy word. Thy saints in all this glorious war shall conquer though they die. They see the triumph from afar by faith's discerning eye. When this illustrious day shall rise and all thy armies shine in robes of victory through the skies, the glory shall be thine. This hymn conveys the heart of believers of old who understood that they were servants of the king. Servants of the, of the, oh that sounds good, thank you. And they were willing to die for that service. They had this insatiable, unquenchable passion to please their master. And an undying commitment to his service. They understood that they were in a battle. They were at war. And this war was bigger than just themselves. They understood that they were living in God's kingdom here on earth, his universal kingdom. And they were committed to living for that master who was on that throne. Committed to living for eternal purposes, not for the earthly momentary pleasures. They had an eye toward the eternal kingdom yet to come. And lived to use all their God-entrusted resources toward that sole purpose of exalting their master. And when you hear such a hymn and such a mentality today, it's, we, we can't help but ask ourselves this question. Were they balanced? Should I live with such a mentality See, in our culture today, Christianity is bombarded with this idea that, you know what, you can love Jesus, but you can also love many other things. This mentality is killing Christianity, killing us to be effective in our walk with Christ. Is the mentality of 300 years ago, is it the same mentality that we should have today? If we're honest with ourselves and we look deeply in our hearts, we can be honest that we live for many different things other than Christ, our King. 
Many of us live for work. And I want you to be honest with yourself. What do you live for? Many of us live for school, or we live for play, or we live for play, or we live for play. I often say what is a passion in Africa is money, but the passion in America is pleasure. The next movie, more pleasure. The next food, more pleasure. In Africa, many live to survive. But what should a true follower of Jesus Christ live for? Well, the verses before us answer that sweet question. As you can see in your handout, what I want to do today is I want to show you Jesus' two commands. His two what? His two commands followed by three illustrations three illustrations, and this will lead us to see the heart of Jesus for us, the heart of Jesus and for our service to his majesty. I want you to see it. I want you to see it for your good, for your joy. The passage that we look at, we want to look at is Matthew 6, 19 through 24. The first command is in verse 19, and I will give you the context as we move along, but look at the command given. Are you ready? Are you ready? Thank you very much. Verse 19, this is what our master says, and hear his command to us. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on... Let's try that again. Come on, we can do it. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on... Where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. Here's the first command. Do not store treasures on earth. Do not store treasures on earth. When you look at this passage, you think, well, what in the world is he meaning? What is he talking about? Well, the context determines it. Shares, us, shares with us what he means. It's interesting because in verse chapters 1 through 4 of Matthew, he declares this message. I am the king. I am the king. I am the Messiah. I'm your Messiah. And then in chapters 5 through 7, he tells us how we are to live. The Beatitudes, right? The heart of a true follower of the king. And what happens as he tells us of who we are as Followers, he tells us how he wants us to live. Look with me in chapter 6, verse 1. Beware of practicing your what? Your righteousness before others in order that they to be seen by them. Don't do that. Don't practice your righteousness before others. For then you will have no what? No reward from your Father who is in heaven. So don't practice your righteousness before others because there's no what? No reward. What he does, he gives three illustrations from there. He gives an illustration of, of praying. First one is, let me, of, of, uh, of giving. When you give, don't give to be seen or your reward is in full. But instead, when you give, give it to God. Don't let anybody know what's taking place. 
Then he goes and he gives an example of praying. When you pray, don't do it before the eyes of others. But when you pray, go to a closet and pray and your reward in heaven will be full. Then he gives a third example of fasting. When you fast, don't do it before others or your reward is full. But rather, when you fast, do it before what? Do it before God. That's the context before this. And what's beautiful is then he says this, do not store treasures in what? On, on this earth. Don't do it. So what is he referring to? According to the immediate context, these treasures on earth must be referring back to the earthly rewards given to hypocrites. As a result of their service, they perform before the eyes of man. And based on this context, these earthly possessions consist not only of honor that comes from being seen by men, but it includes also physical possessions. Why? Because moth and, and rust can what? Destroy. So these earthly, uh, these earthly rewards that they're looking for is the honor they're going to receive or the rewards, physical rewards they're going to get from people. Don't live for those things. And the idea here is the idea of storing up or stockpiling. Don't take the earthly possessions, the honor given to you by people, and stockpile that, those earthly rewards. This is what Jesus, the heart of what Jesus is saying. I don't want you to live for others. I don't want that. I don't want you to live for the pleasure and your own fame. I don't want that. Don't do it. But then he comes to a second command. And, 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 and let me just say this before I give you the second command. Jesus is clear that he doesn't want them to be like the hypocrites that are around them. And listen, I know that we are an evangelical church. But Jesus is saying this because this is true in all of our hearts, right? We can all do things for the eyes of, of others. Oh, there's the guy that makes so much money and gives it to the church. Oh, there's the guy that serves every week. And we can easily be motivated for earthly fame instead of heavenly joy, right? And this is what he's addressing. Don't be like those hypocrites. Don't be living for this present world. Don't live with your eyes on people. Don't, in a stupid way, stockpile things that don't last. Don't live for them. Don't live for such treasures. These treasures are only temporary and have no lasting value. Instead, what are you to do positively? Look at the second command in verse 20. The second command in verse 20 is this, but lay up what? Lay up for yourselves treasures on, treasures in, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be. The second command is clear. 
don't do this, but instead store up treasures where? Where? Look at your neighbor. This is what we do in Africa. You're doing it here. Tell them store treasures in heaven. Go ahead. I, I caught a newlywed couple kissing instead of talking to each other. Man alive. I like it. I like it. Well done. Sousa. Of course it's a Sousa. For what shall we live? For what shall we live? Now listen. This here is a command. This is a command for you as a disciple of Jesus Christ to live for heaven. Rather than living for earthly treasures, Jesus commands his followers to live or stockpile treasures in heaven. According to the context, this is done by performing your righteous service in secret before the eyes of God. It is through secretly giving to God alone, secretly praying to God alone, secretly fasting to God alone. It is through doing any righteous deeds to love God, his people, with the motivation of pleasing God and giving honor and glory to him and not you. This is the driving heart behind Christ for all of his children. Is that we would live for the eyes of him and him alone. For the eyes of him and him. That that would be the driving motivation. That we would take our secular worlds and find out a way to make them heaven bound. King oriented. That we would turn our current universe into an understanding that we have a master on a throne and everything we do are, are for his purposes. And anything given to us are to be used for that kingdom advancement. Rather than stockpiling on earth, we are to stockpile where? In heaven. And what I love is everyone can pray, can't we? It's not about money. It's about your life and your time and your resources and whatever you have living for the glory of our master. He's demanding that we live to proclaim his excellencies. Him who called us out of darkness and into his light, we now no longer live for Satan, no longer live for the world. We now live for Christ and we live for his kingdom. And notice that he's contrasting his point. He's comparing how ridiculous it is to live for this present world where moth and rust destroys, thieves break in and steal. Versus living for a future reward that's untouched by anything, but reserved in heaven awaiting us. When I preached this first in Uganda, and I told my brothers and sisters in Uganda that this gives us great hope as Africans. And I said, because you do, what you don't know is that you can be extremely rich in this present world and poor, if you will, in comparison in the next. While others can be exceedingly poor in this world and super abundant wealthy in eternal life. The Bible is ongoingly 
speaking of the stupidity of riches and trusting in those and living for those. Proverbs 11.4 says, riches do not profit in the day of wrath. Proverbs 23.5 reveals that when you set your eyes on money, it is gone. For wealth certainly makes itself wings like an eagle and flies toward the heavens. Luke 21.12.21 declares the same truths. Or, or 1 John 2.15-7 which says that we as Christians, we don't live for this present world, but we live for what? For our Father, for the things above. We don't love these things because we know they're passing away. Dear friends, hear this loudly and clearly. To live for heaven is not everyone becoming missionaries or pastors. To live for heaven is to use whatever resource you have to love and serve God. It's to change the motivation for why you do what you do. You see, you can, you can be a good student for personal fame, or you could be a good student for the purposes of honoring your master and getting trained perfectly and well for his service. It's all about the motivation. Does that make sense? And so when you change it for him instead of for you or for the eyes of others, that's the game changer. It is you using your time, your energy, your money, your mind, your pen, your skills, and so on and so on for the purpose of loving people with the motivation of glorifying and honoring your master. If you're a teacher, it's using your knowledge to invest in students learning with the motivation of serving God. You never were serving that boss anyways, right? We live not to serve the boss, but to serve our king and doing it all as unto him. And just that simple transaction in your mind changes everything. Because I'm no longer doing it for a paycheck. I'm doing it for a master. Listen, I'm not telling everybody they got to go dump all their money into the church offering plate. If that's what God would call you to do, great, do it. But what I'm saying is that it's changing our motivation for the money, our motivation for our work, our motivation for our parenting. The casual worker using his energy for God by serving his boss, he stores treasures in heaven. The older lady who's at home is saying, I, I don't have a lot of energy, but I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for our missionaries. I'm going to pray for this, pray for that. That is living for heaven. Can you wash dishes for your mom out of love for God? That's storing treasures where? Can you disciple someone else and help them know Christ? That's living for heaven. Can you give resources to your local church or to help missions? That's living for heaven. What is done for God is rewarded in heaven. Now, I want to go from these two commands to why. Why does Jesus make such a radical demand of his followers? Why? The answer is found in three illustrations. The answer is found in three illustrations. Verse 21 is that first illustration. 
Look with me at verse 21, and you see it begins with a four. Four, he's explaining the why. For where your treasure, what? There your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The first illustration is that of a treasure. And here's the principle. I want you all to, with one hand, grab your heart. With the other hand, grab something. Okay? What you decide to grab, the treasure you grab will grab your what? Everybody, the treasure you grab will grab your... If you treasure making money, money will grab your... If you, tre if you treasure being uh, a professional athlete or sports, sports will grab your... Are we together? What you treasure will be what your heart treasures. It's funny because... When you listen to men talk and just hang out, what do they normally talk about? It's either sports or what? Or their job. Why? Because that's what they treasure. That's what they do with their day, right? If you talk to moms, what do they normally talk about? Kids. Why? I don't know why they're not talking about us, men. Come on. But they usually talk about kids. Why? Because it's kids that they what? That they treasure. It's kids that they treasure. You see, what you grab will grab your heart. For young people, when you grab and it's like that girl, that girl, or movies, movies. When you come together, all you talk about are movies. You know what I want? I want to come back as a missionary, sit down with people and talk about Jesus. But you know how hard that is? We want to talk about everything else other than Jesus Christ, other than living for our master. Why? Because we're not treasuring our master. We're not treasuring kingdom purposes like we need to. And let me just say this. I'm saying this as a missionary so you can think, oh, Shannon, he's got it figured out. Listen, this is an ongoing battle for what? All of us. But the principle must be seen and it only gets sweeter as we move through here. What you treasure is what will fill your heart. Or our hearts are filled with what we what? What we treasure. And listen, why does Jesus command and then give this illustration, let me tell you why. Because he wants to be what we what? What we treasure. He wants to be what we treasure. So he wants us to grab him and service for him instead of the world. Because he doesn't want the world and the things of this demonized society to grab what? He wants himself to grab us. In Uganda, we find people treasuring many different addictions. They're addicted because they treasure their alcohol. They treasure their pornography. 
They really think it alone will bring pleasure. Every time there's a problem, where do they turn? Alcohol or, or, or uh, pornography to just satisfy them and, and to, to find joy. Instead of turning to what? Christ. As a Christian community, Christ must be the center of our hearts. Therefore, living for him in heaven, in heaven must be our greatest aspiration. I love the story told of Martin Lloyd by Martin Lloyd-Jones. He speaks of a farmer that joyfully runs into the kitchen to announce that his finest cow had given birth to twins. Now, I understand this better because I live in a society that doesn't have much. But a cow is money, okay? So when you produce cows, you sell those cows. So he's excited because two cows were born. One of them was white and one of them was brown. And he felt inclined that in light of this, I want to give one of these cows to the Lord. His plan was that he would let both of them grow up big and live and mature, become mature become big in size, and then he would sell one of them and keep the proceeds from one and give the proceeds of the other to the Lord or sell both of them. So his wife said, so which cow is the Lord's cow, the white one or the black one? He responded by saying, it doesn't matter now, let's just raise them together. A month goes by and the farmer comes back into the kitchen to see his wife, but he comes slowly and sadly. He says to his wife, I have bad news. The Lord's cow has died. <laughs> so often this is how we look at life. We look at our relationship to Christ. We will give him all the extra if there's extra. We'll give him the leftovers, the surplus. But Jesus Christ demands his followers demanded Israel, demands all those who are children of his king, of his majesty, to love him with the first fruits, their finest parts. Why? So that their heart would be his. Interesting, when you look at the Old Testament and you look at these ideas of, of, of those who were valiant in their devotion to the Lord and those who were not. Regarding Rehoboam, it says this in verse of 2 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 14. It says, he did evil because he did not set his heart to seek the Lord. Why did he do evil? He did not set his heart to seek the... Listen, if we don't set our hearts for Christ, forget it. You will do what? Evil. What sets the men of God separate from all the rest of humanity is their heart. And their heart longing after God. People ask me, Shannon, how can we pray most for you? I'll quote for them that the eyes of the Lord look to and fro throughout the earth to strongly support 
those whose hearts are completely his. Pray that my heart is always continuously completely his. And I fight like everyone fights that my heart would be his. And the distractions of our lives would not hinder us from our first love, from the one thing necessary. And that is to sit at the feet of Jesus Christ. Listen, dear friends, the first illustration is clear. And so understand it by the authority of Jesus Christ that what you grab, what you treasure, will grab your heart and your life. What is it that you treasure? What have you set your heart on? Is it Christ? There's a second illustration given to us in verses 22 and 23. It's the illustration of an eye. An illustration of an eye. In this illustration, he gives us, he says this, and I'm going to, for the sake of time, be quick on it. But he says this, the eye is the lamp of your body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Obviously, I'm not giving you an exposition on all elements of this just for the sake of time, but I would say this, this illustration of an eye is clear. If you, what you look at and what you put your eye to is what will fill your, your heart. And so if your eyes are meditating on what is good, then what is good will fill your heart. If your eyes are meditating on what is bad, then bad will fill your heart. The human eye, in relationship to the body, represents the same relationship a believer has to Christ. Just as an eye controls a body, so a treasure controls a heart. I like giving the example of a sponge. If I take a sponge and I dip it in water, and I pull out that sponge, and I wring out the sponge, whatever I soaked it in will what? Come out. My brothers, my sisters, the same is true here. Whatever we saturate our minds in, whatever we devote our hearts to, will come out, will come out. And that's why so many of us are struggling in our relationships to Jesus Christ because we spend all day meditating on whatever is here. Satan has us. These are important for work purposes. But what we find is that everything that saturated our minds are our friends and sports and because it's all the the notifications are all coming to us right so we can't keep our minds steadfast on Christ because all these other things are what we put our eyes on Christ or the world Christ or friends Christ or money Christ or girls Christ or bad movies? Listen, today, everybody, any free time we get, what do we do? We go watch A. And is that promoting Christ? 
or promoting other things. And you say, Shannon, you're saying these things are bad. No, I'm saying, listen, what you treasure is where you're. And what Jesus wants is he wants our, he wants our hearts. So we have to say no to things that we might say yes to another. What we meditate on will control us. What we meditate on will control. So what are we meditating on? Let's do things as activities instead of devotion to those things. I went the other day and watched Man, Sister, Man City United in Texas. That was awesome. But it's an event. I didn't read every article about Man City United beforehand. We have to learn how do we set our minds on Christ. It means we have to get our distractions pushed aside that Christ might be our all in all. We give ourselves the heavenly treasures. Heavenly treasures will dominate our hearts and lives. That's why our greatest uh, prayer needs to be that of the hymn writer. Once earthly joy I craved, sought peace and rest, but now thee alone I seek. Give what is best. This is my earnest prayer, more love, O Christ, to thee, more love to thee. Last picture given, last illustration given here is that of, or illustration is that of a master. That of a master. Look with me in verse 24. Powerful. Powerful. He says this, no one can serve two masters. No one can serve what? For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money or manna or food. Here is a clear illustration of a master. You can only serve one master at a time. And whatever master you serve is your master. And this is the heart of the issue for Jesus Christ. Who's your master? Didn't Jesus command in the Ten Commandments to love him with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our minds? What does Jesus want? Is he wanting our bad here? Oh, live for him as a drudgery. No, live for him as a joy. He wants our greatest joy. And so therefore he says, let me be your greatest master. Because when we do things his way and for his service, it gives us the greatest joy. And so what he's saying to these brothers and sisters, listen, you can't serve two masters. Hear me, young people. You cannot serve two. You can't. You can't. Oh, brothers and sisters, and if this is any heart that I want to get to us, it's this reality. Because many of us are trying to live for Christ. But we're trying to love the world at the same time. We think, okay, we can go do this and this like everybody else but still love Jesus Christ. And what you find, slowly, Christ has less and less and less of you. That's because we, we don't realize this truth that you can't serve two masters. Look what he says positively. You need to be what? 
devoted to one. You need to love one and be devoted to it. Love it and to be devoted. Do you love Christ? Do you love him? Is he your master? Do you hunger after him? Is he your longing? Do you love him? Is he what grabs your heart in the morning and carries it throughout the day? That's what it is to love someone, am I right? Are you devoted to him? But listen, not only that. You say, well, I want to be devoted. I want to be. That's great. But the question is, and you hate the what? You hate the other. Despise the other. You see, this is our problem. We don't hate the world. We love it. We don't hate all these things that grab our hearts. We don't hate them. But in Christ, we have to hate these things that grab our heart. That Christ may have our whole heart. Are we together? You can't serve two masters. Who is your master? If it's Jesus Christ, my brothers and sisters, then let it be Jesus Christ. Then let's dedicate and meditate on him fully and give him everything that we have, all that we are for all that he is. Amen? This is the text. And, and then he goes on to talk about worry. He says, don't worry, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. We aren't like the Gentiles who seek after these things. We're those who seek the kingdom. My brothers and my sisters, my dear friends, I live in the same world you live in. And I, I think I get a greater sense of it because I, I, I'll come from Africa and I'll come here. The second I get on a plane, boom, every movie that's being presented is there. And they're not good. And listen, I like them. Just like everybody else. I like the lust that comes from there. I like living the experience that that, uh, that, that actor's living. It's easy to like them, and so what do I need to do to tell my own heart? I hate it. I want nothing to do with it. Lord, help my eyes to not see it. Because it will take me away from loving who? Jesus Christ is my greatest love. We have one life, dear friends. One life, and it's a short one. Can't we take this life and hate everything that Christ hates and love everything that Christ loves? Can't we do that? That our gift to him as a result of the saving work that he has on our heart is a heart of love and devotion to him. Brothers and sisters, you must hate whatever is grabbing your heart, whatever treasure is grabbing your heart other than Jesus Christ. And you must devote yourself fully to him. I'm concerned. I ask many of my dear friends about spending time in the word each day. And commonly, well, you know, I struggle, I try to spend 30 minutes with Christ in the morning, you try. Are we children of the king or not? If you can't spend 30 minutes with Christ, how are you going 
to love him as your greatest treasure. Listen, according to this passage, you won't. And what does Christ want? He wants to be your treasure. He wants to be at the center of your eye. He wants to be your exclusive master. Listen, do not think you can love two masters. You can't. You must crucify the one and devote yourself to love the other. I am excited to be 47. I'm 47 now, 16 years on the mission field. I'm excited now because at this stage in my life, my kids are graduating, and I get to see the fruit of my life. <laughs> I get to see kids love Christ in Uganda. I get to see my own kids. And let me tell you, the joy of loving Christ far surpasses anything else. May God and those of you who are serving him faithfully, don't give up. Keep throwing away the distractions. And let's together love Jesus with all our heart and just look at the fruit that's produced as a result of that. Guys, we love you and it is a joy to serve you in Uganda. May the Lord bless you. Let me pray. Father, we come sadly because you want our hearts. And so often we give you just a part of us. We keep believing the lie that we can somehow serve two masters instead of showing the supremacy of your person by our singularity of focus and devotion to you as our master. Lord, we cannot control the things that happen in our lives, but we can control our lives in terms of how we, what we love most. Father, will you make yourself our greatest love? Will you help us to crucify and hate and despise anything that would take our affections away from you? Will you help us store treasures in heaven? Father, we love you. You are our God. And we love you with the affections of our hearts. Help us live out this truth now, we pray. For the praise, glory, and honor of your name, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening today. Sermon audio from the last three years is available by podcast. And a larger archive from Chris Mueller and Faith Bible Church can be found at media.faith-bible.net. And if you would, please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps a lot. Thanks, and have a great day.